You're listening to the Agony Column News Report, trashotroncom agony. Steve Silberman's new book is Neurotribes, The Legacy of Autism and the Future of Neurodiversity. Steve, it struck me that the most important aspect of this book is the way that we've used story to define ourselves and to define illness. One of the big battles we see in here is the battle within the psychiatric world in the transition from psychoanalysis to psychopharmacy. (laughs) I'd like you to talk about how the story of the psychiatric world played into this book. Sure. Well, um, the primary subject of the book is how the scope of the diagnosis of autism has radically changed over the last few decades. And uh, it's gotten much broader, which is why you see many more autism diagnoses in the last 20 years than you did in the, like, 40 years before that. Uh, And really, that was a change of story. The story of autism used to be that it was considered a very, very rare form of childhood psychosis that was caused by so-called refrigerator mothers and refrigerator fathers. And that was the story that was told by the man who claimed to discover autism, Leo Connor. Well, now we know that that story is not the right story about autism. The right story about autism is that it's a form of disability that is, in fact, incredibly common and also incredibly diverse and colorful in its manifestations. Now we talk about the autism spectrum. Leo Connor would never have uh, proposed the concept of an autism spectrum because he saw it as a very narrow thing. And the thing is that the way we describe things influences how we look at things and people. And so all these people on the autism spectrum were invisible uh, decades ago before the story about autism changed to accommodate them. So now we now the story that society tells about autism is that it's a very broad and diverse spectrum. And uh, that's a much better understanding of what autism is than the old story about it. And I think one of the parts of the story that you do such a good job of illuminating is the idea that it's no longer a diagnosis but a description, and and it's a description, moreover, of somebody who may have a lot of uh, abilities that are evolutionarily um, helpful. I mean, these are people who move us ahead. Yeah. Well, one of the one of the things that I talk about in the book is how people with autistic traits uh, have basically helped accelerate the evolution of science, art, culture, and society in general, even though they were often forced to stand on the sidelines and even mocked and bullied for being, you know, weird or odd or nerds or whatever. Um, At the same time, many of them, not all of them, but many of them were uh, interested in science or interested in science fiction. And so one of the chapters of Neurotribes talks about how people with autistic traits really helped invent the modern digital world from the foundational insights into physics and chemistry that enabled us to even build computers to the development of ham radio networks that um, basically served the function of the Internet 
for people with autistic traits in the mid-20th century. Uh, because if you think about it, the Internet allows people to communicate without having to look at each other and without uh, people having to figure out what the subtle signs of body language mean in each other. So for ham radio, it was like a sanctuary for people with autistic traits in the mid-20th century. And that's still going on in Silicon Valley, where many leading programmers, uh, I mean, it's now almost a cliche. People say, oh, well, Mark Zuckerberg, he has autistic traits, or Bill Gates has autistic traits. I would never say that those guys have autism because they clearly don't need a diagnosis. They're doing just fine. Thank you. But um, it is true that there are a lot of people with autistic traits uh, in Silicon Valley. And so these people have been really assisting the advancement of society, yet at the same time they've been viewed as, you know, either weird or diseased or whatever. And so what I say is that it's time to recognize that autistic traits can come along with very special gifts as well as social impairments. And one of the things about the Internet is that because it allows us to communicate without the personal presence, it boils everything down to pure story. It, we're, when I'm communicating to you via email or via chat, it's just story. We're, we're boiled down to just the narrative that we create via our language. That's true. And um, one of the things that, that I felt was really important was that there was no story of autism that really uh, both spanned all those years of history and also was accessible to, you know, not just autism scientists or people in special education, but mothers who were concerned that maybe their kids were showing signs of autism. You know, everybody's heard of autism now, but no one had ever told the long arc of 80 years and more of history that led up to the modern, very broad, very colorful, very inclusive understanding of autism. So that's what I tried to do in Neurotribes. And one of the most joyous parts of the book is the end where you talk about the, the way that um, nowadays it's not the parents of the autistic children who are controlling the narrative. It's the autistic adults and teenagers themselves who are controlling the narrative and creating places where they can communicate in ways that serve themselves and everybody else around them better. Because these people who used to be seen as uncommunicative always had something to say, didn't they? They, they absolutely did. And in fact, the autistic community, which is what autistic people call themselves and each other, really got together on the Internet, which was an ideal communication medium for people who have trouble making sense of, you know, uh, what it means to look someone in the eye or subtle signs of body language or change of tones of voice. The Internet w proved to be a natural communication medium for autistic people, and so they were able to organize and share the stories of their own lives with each other. Like, basically, before the invention of the Internet, autistic people were completely isolated from each other. Uh, for one thing, they weren't very social generally, but for another thing, um, outside of ham radio, say, although they probably weren't talking about autism because the diagnosis was only available to little kids in the, uh, the mid-20th century, but basically the Internet gave the autistic community a place to come together, and that is having a huge effect on the world. For instance, the plan that Hillary Clinton announced the other day, the detailed autism plan, was very much influenced by the real needs of autistic adults 
as they themselves have articulated those needs uh, on the Internet and through organizations like the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network. And if you look at Hillary's speeches in 2008, she talks about cures and causes and uh, rising number of diagnoses as a frightening thing. Now she's talking about what can we do to help autistic people and their families by giving them support and accommodations so they can find work, health care, inclusive schools. That comes out of listening to autistic people tell their own stories. And th that's a real sign of progress in our society. I've been speaking with Steve Silverman. His new book is Neurotribes. Thank you for joining me, Steve. Thank you so much. It's, it's been great to be here. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report, trashotron.com slash agony.